2: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show
1: podcast.
2: Welcome back in hour number two, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton show from, uh, South Florida. Yesterday, Donald Trump with us. Encourage you to go listen to the third hour of the program for that full interview. Uh, you can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. You'll be able to listen to that anywhere on your free time crazily. We're two months, uh, two months, two weeks from uh, Thanksgiving, and I think it's going to sneak up on a lot of people. It's an early Thanksgiving this year, uh, but I know many of you are going to be on the road. You're going to be out and about for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, holiday season, for New Year's. All of that likely to uh, to uh play in uh, to your complex schedule, so go ahead and sign up for the podcast. You'll also get Carol Markowitz, who we ran into down here a couple of days ago, does incredible work for the New York Post, also a former New Yorker who has fled to the free state of Florida and uh, you can also get Tudor Dixon, who is doing fabulous work up in Michigan, all as a part of that network. Now, we mentioned uh, the debate last night. I wanted to hit these two cuts because, Buck, you and I watched this debate together with our wives last night. I actually missed. Everybody reacted to Vivek Ramaswamy saying that Nikki Haley was basically uh, Dick Cheney in three-inch heels, which I thought was the insult. He actually was making fun of Ron DeSantis because the Trump campaign has said that DeSantis wears lifts, too, to try to make himself taller, which is a ridiculous story. Welcome to politics. Uh, but listen to this Vivek line, and then we were referencing Nikki Taley's response which didn't come for a while, but also didn't land uh, necessarily as effectively as I think she wanted. But here's Vivek's attack.
6: Corrupt politicians in both parties spent trillions, killed millions, made billions for themselves in places like Iraq and Afghanistan, fighting wars that sent thousands of our sons and daughters, people my age, to die in wars that did not advance anyone's interests, adding $7 trillion to our national debt. You have the likes of Nikki Haley, who stepped down from her time at the U.N. Bankrupt or in debt is, was her family. Then she becomes a military contractor. She joins the board of Boeing and otherwise and is now a multimillionaire. So I think that that's wrong when Republicans do it or Democrats do it. That's the choice we face. Do you want a leader from a different generation who's going to put this country first? Or do you want Dick Cheney in three-inch heels? Mr. In which
4: Ron case Ron we've Swanee. got two of them on stage Ron tonight. Ron
2: Okay. okay so, so it's the it's last the line, there was cross the reaction. Talk, yeah. yeah, the reaction started, uh, cause he says, in which case we've got two of them on the stage. Now, Lester Holt steps in there. I, I would like, I think it would be fun. I bet you would enjoy it too. I think it would be fun to moderate a debate. My number one rule would be steer towards conflict. So right there, a lot of times I think, Buck, that these uh, debate moderators have their topics laid out and they are going to go to them no matter what the answers are it's almost like they've got a checklist so Lester Holt didn't immediately go to Nikki Haley and even the way he cut off cut away from that line which was designed to be an attack at DeSantis I didn't even realize it I texted you you know an yeah. hour after the debate when this uh, when that video clip was shared here was Nikki Haley's response uh that came probably 7 or 8 minutes later Governor Haley, would you please answer that?
7: Yes, I'd first like to say they're five-inch heels, and I don't wear them unless you can run in them. Um, We've well, we got two the, of you on stage. The second day, thing so. that I will say is I wear heels. They're not for a fashion statement. They're for ammunition.
1: The first one worked. Well, the second one fell flat. Now, th- th- you can tell that this is th- the story of last night's debate was these two going back and forth. Um, uh, but on on the policy side of it for a second here, actually, because we mentioned some people might be saying, why is Buck asking such a strange question uh, about the navy? About the Navy, how many ships in the Navy? Here is Hugh Hewitt, who was the conservative representative of the moderators. He's a radio host. Listen to what he says. Play twenty seven. For decades and decades, the American military, but primarily the United States Navy, has deterred an attack from China to the island state of Taiwan. But Ronald Reagan's Navy of 600 ships is gone. Now, the question to you is, and I'll start with you, Ambassador Haley, because you were in President Trump's cabinet. His goal was a 355-ship Navy. That's what he pushed for. He got to 300. It's now at 291. Is that big enough to deter and, if necessary, defeat an invasion of Taiwan? Okay. As a very specific yes. question. Um, and, and, and then he, he ended up, uh, I don't, we don't even need to hear it. He, but he, he kept pushing for this, the specific number, you know, sub 300, Reagan 600. Uh, there are some things here that should be taken into account. One clay is that not all ships are the same. Yes. So the ship number, I mean, you could have, you know, the, the SS like Minnow or what, isn't that what it was that got the lit SS Minnow. Yes. Thank you. Gilligan's, Gilligan's Island. Island. Thank you. I mean, you could have a very minor ship or you could have a billion dollar aircraft. I mean, we're in
2: Miami right now, so, Buck, and I walked by a harbor. There is a lot of difference yeah, between some are, of those. There are yachts. There are
1: boats and there are yachts. Yes. Yeah, you so, know, there are, there are sailing, there are, you know, there are, uh, our schooners and there are sailing ships. Um, so it, it's kind of a weird question in that respect too. I think it gets a little bit more, but, but here's what I actually was, was trying to take from this. There was a lot of time spent about, how you know how much money we should be giving i didn't hear anyone last night including vivek and by all means i'm going on memory so i could be wrong say that they would cut off funding for ukraine vivek uh po- vivek po- uh, positions himself as the guy who is opposed to the establishment on this question and and i we'll track down his response on this cuz this is yeah. along the same thing when he's being asked about funding is being asked about uh how big the navy should be um he, he said something about how corrupt ukraine is and how it's uh, okay sure i mean then that's interesting to bring into the discussion and ukraine democrats have created this like ukraine utopia where it's this amazing democracy and if it goes away like the whole the whole world is falling apart that's hysteria and that's nonsense but i did not hear a single person on that stage say that they would stop Effectively being the arsenal and bank for Zelensky's Ukrainian resistance against Russia. Did you, am I missing that? I mean that there was, which I think is interesting, because there no was, one was willing trepidation
2: to hundred percent stand with Ukraine as is the. I st- still think the Democrat perspective.
1: But you See what I mean? They all yeah. dance around it because they say, "Oh, we need accountability for the funds." Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, we need accountability. Do you want to give them the money or not is the real question. you want yeah. to keep funding them because it's already in the hundreds of billions.
2: Yeah, and I think that's maybe one area where uh the pivot. So, so I thought at the start of the debate that everybody on the stage looked phenomenal. I thought it was pretty good advertisement for the Republican Party as it pertained to Israel in particular because everybody speaks stridently as one voice to defend the right of Israel to defend itself in the Republican Party and you don't have this cacophony of uh, of of Hamas and Palestinian sympathizers like the uh, Democrat Party would have if they were having a real debate on the stage right now. But they didn't link them, and they didn't allow that discussion because I do think the Speaker of the House has done a good job in saying, hey, we want to fund Israel, but this is really not connected in our minds to what's going on with Ukraine. Now, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, uh, and uh, Tim Scott, I would say, are... Definitively still in the, we've got to do as much as we can to protect Ukraine. But
1: they don't really want to say
2: it. Well, it's gotten, less, I mean? it's gotten less politically palatable. DeSantis is, uh, I would say in the middle. Vivek, to his credit, has been the most aggressive in saying, I don't really think that
1: Ukraine is our battle. He criticizes Ukraine, yeah. but I mean, I come across this a lot, with people say, Oh, you know what we're doing with Ukraine. Ukraine's corrupt. Why are we giving Ukraine all this money? And, and you see this with, with some of the people on the right, but you say, okay, would you stop, would you stop funding? Yeah. I mean, that would be the most obvious. They don't want to say that. They don't want to say that. Yeah. And the people who want to keep the funding going like to put these, oh, um, we need, we need accountability. And, and there was something else too, basically putting these, uh, like prefacing this a little bit, putting in these additional measures. The fundamental question is, are we going to continue to have a blank check approach? To funding a Ukrainian fight that is currently in stalemate with Russia. Is that what we are going to do, um, in, under a republic, the next presidency, assuming it's a Republican? Uh, I, I think that everyone hedges a little bit on this one is what I, I think I, Trump comes in and he's just like, I'll end it. I'll sit down with yeah, Putin. And we'll hash out an agreement. We'll end it. So that's his position. You can say you like that or not, but that's his
2: position. I think a lot of people are nervous there because DeSantis got caught in an early interview saying that Ukraine was a yeah. territorial dispute uh and the way that he phrased that led to him getting attacked. I think the donor class, frankly, is far more supportive of the money being spent in Ukraine than the average base of the Republican Party is. So I thought that was an example of one that they were trying to finesse and not have to uh to uh, directly address. Uh one more thing, Buck, that stood out to me. Vivek seemed
1: very kind to DeSantis. Yes. There's a rest- not, no, I, I mean he made he made he made the, he made made the, the heel, heel job. But, I mean, that's that's a little bit of a grade school thing. I don't think that really lands on DeSantis. I think now the analysis starts
2: to become, and and this is maybe at the bottom of this hour. We can have a discussion about it in earnest. Where would these people's supporters go if they dropped out? For instance, I think if Tim Scott dropped out, Trump told us yesterday, and I think that's correct. I think Tim Scott would endorse Donald Trump. And so most Tim Scott supporters, I think, would end up aligned with Donald Trump. Chris Christie. If Chris Christie dropped out, none of his supporters to the extent, you know, let's say both those guys, let's give them a roundabout them and say they have 5%. None of Chris Christie's support, I don't believe, would go to Trump. It's a very anti-Trump support. So would Chris Christie line up behind Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley? I think that's probably the choice that he would find himself in and it seemed to me that there was a decent amount of rapport between Christie and Nikki Haley, it seemed like Vivek was actually very respectful of uh, DeSantis, but my natural inclination is almost all of Vivek's support would go to Trump. Now, here's the challenge, right? Nikki Haley, I think none of her support, by and large, would go to Trump, whereas I think all of DeSantis's support would go to Trump. The reason why I bring this up is... If your goal is to beat Trump, how does the math work as you analyze this? Do you agree with my like? I think can, if you can he, I tell hey, you where yeah. we are right yeah. now in
1: my mind. I think that based on the numbers we're seeing, it it's almost uh, it, it, right now. Whoever gets the swing here or there, looks like it's irrelevant. That you Trump know, has Trump, gotten such a big lead. Yeah, it Trump is so, is so so That's far the question ahead. I'm asking. Yeah.
2: Is it, there math? that would lead to somebody being it, able to beat Trump. It would
1: be, right, it, it would be math that you would have to be able to do, so to speak, the numbers would have, like, in the next month, right? I mean, what if you look at this over the next uh three or four months and going into Super Tuesday and all that, I think it's too slow for it to matter. Yeah. You would have to have. These changes occur. You'd have to have people dropping out before Christmas. Or, I don't. I don't think anyone on that stage, with the possible exception of Chris Christie, is going to drop out before uh, at least at least uh, Iowa. Here's what I would say, Buck:
2: is after this debate, and we'll see what happens in December. Again, I think really it should just be DeSantis, Vivek, and Nikki Haley on the stage in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, for the next uh, Republican debate. The only game changer I can see is. If Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis agreed to join together on a unity ticket and they did it right now.
1: Well, that's what I mean by it would have to
2: be. It would have to be all like, in. You would have to sit down. Game change. And, and you would have to, and the challenge on that is one of them would have to be like, yeah, I'm the number, I'm the president and the other one would have to be the vice president. That's the only, look, I mean, and you guys out there listening, tell me if you disagree, right? Just look at this strategically, not as a diehard supporter of any particular candidate. Just look at it from as a math equation.
1: Well, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, right? The latest as of November 6th here, real clear politics. Oh, this is actually a- This is Yeah, and really
2: what it- What we have to have is the Iowa- Iowa and New Hampshire primary. Here's what you could
1: say pretty- Trump is at 44 right now in Trafalgar. Trafalgar is a very- generally considered a pro-Trump, not- not disparaging. Yeah. A pro-Trump or- or, you know, lean- leans Trump is what I should say in the polling. Uh, Trump is at 44. DeSantis and Haley together would be at 33. Okay so
2: if you had if a you unity you yes. the
1: two of them and you got to a 33 you know 33% support that would be but i i think uh I, you know i don't know so
2: here, here's my. I don't know that anybody has the uh, the ability to put together Tim this equation. Tim Scott's at nine in this,
1: by the way, but Tim Scott's holding on to a I pretty think, pretty sizable chunk of folks.
2: Uh, I think Tim Scott is going to endorse Trump, and I think he'll do it sooner and rather then than I later. Think you get Trump over fifty,
1: and that's see. This, so is, th- this is where this is where, how the math. This moves. is
2: where the math becomes interesting because I think the only way that you could, uh, look, I don't think Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis are going to drop out, right? I think the only way that anybody could give Trump a run at this point, if you look at the polling, is if Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis agreed to have a unity ticket
1: designed to beat Trump. Could you imagine I mean they would have to do like a coin flip or something. There would neither one of them would ever by temperament or career aspiration accept the vice president. Well, there would have to be that's where you look at it from Trump's perspective.
2: If I'm looking at it from Trump's perspective last night, Vivek winning that debate, in my opinion, Vivek won. I understand that could be polarizing; some yeah. people might not. That's the best result for Trump because it maintains kind of a three-headed monster where there isn't
1: somebody who is like like coming out of this debate. Ramaswamy is only at five in this Trafalgar. Oh, I'm sorry. This is that. I, I pardon me. I thought I was looking at the uh, real the average. This That's is just Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. That's just Iowa.
2: Yeah. So just Iowa. The Des Moines Register came out. They had Trump at like 43. If you combine, and I think DeSantis and Haley were both at like 16, something like that. If you combine DeSantis and Haley in an Iowa joint ticket, then they could give Trump a real run. Um, I don't think either willing to do it. And I think you're going to need to see a result from Iowa and New Hampshire where one of them is a clear number two in, a, in order for the other one to get out.
1: Make no mistake, we are fighting a spiritual battle as we protect the most vulnerable and innocent among us, babies in their mother's womb. You see it this week on full display with the voting results that were very disappointing in a number of states. But there's one nonprofit organization that is doing everything they can to help those unborn children, and they've been doing it for 17 years. Every day they save the lives of 200 unborn children. They're called Preborn. The Preborn Network of Clinics are located on the front lines of this battle in the areas of our nation where abortion rates are highest. Preborn offers love, support, counseling, and a free ultrasound to pregnant mothers. That ultrasound experience is often the difference when a pregnant mother makes her decision, life or abortion. Consider donating to Preborn as if they rely on your gifts, the pro-life community's gifts, to operate. They save babies' lives. For just $28, you can sponsor an ultrasound that doubles a baby's chance at life. To donate securely, use your cell phone and dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, say baby. To talk to someone now or go to preborn.com slash buck, that's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K, sponsored by Preborn.
3: Truth after truth, you can handle the truth. Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong, he's Joe Getty, we're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the armstrong and getty show to start listening
0: more than a movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia
1: he has the smarts of Vito, the temper of sunny I've gotten the emails probably for mispronouncing on my end in response to the event last night. It is Hialeah. Yes, Hialeah. I'm a South Florida resident now. I should say it properly. I'm sure I've mispronounced it. For some reason, New Yorkers say Nevada. I'm telling you, we're all trained to say the name of that. I won't say it improperly because the the Nevadans come come after me. But I think uh, for some reason, New Yorkers or Northeasterners, we all say that state wrong starting out. And eventually we get we get corrected. But yes, Hialeah is where Trump did his rally last night. Thank you for all of the VIP, the pronunciation police. They came for me. They pulled me over. This show cares about
2: pronunciation more than any radio show in the history of mankind.
1: You know. Um. How about a high five once in a while? For I think we probably have bigger words of the day on this show than any other radio show out
2: there. Most of the words we pronounce correctly. I get a lot wrong. I'll, I'll be uh I'll be transparent. Um. By the way, Nelda also wanted to email me. What time we got here? Uh, It's it's go time, Clay. You gotta read my- Uh, I will talk about Nelda's email to me here in a moment and explain the latest controversy that has, uh, that has arisen. But, I wanna tell you guys all about Lifelock and what a huge difference it can make if you are not protected online. Uh, banks, look, they're not as rock solid as you would like. They have vulnerabilities, especially online, especially with what's happened, for instance, at Flagstar Bank, based in the Midwest. Three data breaches since 2021, and now 800,000 customers' info at risk out there. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Protecting your identity can be easy with LifeLock. Their online identity theft protection, second to none, looking after your online identity. Their systems scan billions of transactions looking for evidence of wrongdoing. Protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now and save 25% off your first year with promo code Clay. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to LifeLock.com. Use promo code Clay for 25% off. Welcome back in. Clay Travis Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Uh, we've got a lot of different callers who want to react. And I want to kind of circle back around on... We were talking about the math, um, and I'm curious if you would buy into this as we finish the third debate. We're reacting a lot to what we saw last night. Uh, clearly, I think there is a top tier that consists of Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, and Vivek Ramaswamy. I think then you have Tim Scott, Chris Christie, and Doug Burgum, and Asa Hutchinson, whoever's still in. They're like on a totally different tier. So you have top tier, mid tier. And, uh, you know, sort of afterthoughts at this point. If you weren't on the stage, I, I think it's fair to say you're an afterthought. I don't think anybody was bad. But I think Tim Scott and Chris Christie need to, at this point, be contemplating what their exit strategy is. And so of the five people on the stage, Buck, tell me if you agree with this. Uh, I think Tim Scott would endorse Donald Trump. I think most Tim Scott supporters would be Donald Trump supporters to a certain extent. Chris Christie would not endorse Trump. He would be a DeSantis or Nikki Haley guy. I'm not sure which one he would be. And here's where the math really gets interesting. I think most Ron DeSantis supporters, if Ron DeSantis were not in the race, would vote for Donald Trump. Do you buy that, Buck? I think that's why the DeSantis-Trump battle has been somewhat more toxic than any of the others is because... They're really fighting for a lot of the same supporters, and so if Ron DeSantis tomorrow said, "Hey, you know what, guys? I'm going to focus on being governor of Florida," I think most DeSantis supporters would go to Trump. Do you buy that? Like, of uh,
1: instead of anybody else that's in the race? Man, I a majority, yes, not not all though. I think there are some people who are DeSantis voters who are who really want a Trump alternative. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm just guessing. I'm spitballing. I would think that's maybe 30% of DeSantis voters, something like yeah, that. Yeah,
2: I think 75-25, uh, that's not crazy. All right, Vivek supporters, I think, would almost all go to Trump. 100%. Would you agree with that? Oh, I mean, almost 100%. Okay. Like I would, yeah. the, now, the one to me that is interesting is, I don't think most Nikki Haley supporters would go to Trump. I think most Nikki Haley supporters are in the anti-Trump category, and they would go to another non-Trump candidate. So that's kind of my assessment here in general. I'm curious if all of you out there would agree with that because that is my analysis in terms of, to me, the only way Trump could get beaten right now based on the polls is if Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley join together. And if I were arguing over who should be president, my argument from DeSantis would be, look, if I drop out, Trump's going to win. Whereas if Nikki Haley were to drop out, I think a lot of Nikki Haley supporters would go to non-Trump-affiliated candidates. So that's kind of the big-picture analysis that I would say uh, is in play here. But Vanessa in South Carolina, you disagree on some level about Nikki Haley.
7: I do disagree a little bit. Um, You know, Trump was my first-ever Republican vote in 2016. Who
2: did you I vote did before vote that? You Nikki were an Obama Haley. voter, or you just were disaffected and didn't vote at all?
7: I was diehard Democrat.
1: Really, and die now hard. you're listening to Clay oh, yeah. and Buck, so you have learned a lot in life and are a very wise person. So, what made you switch, Vanessa?
7: Um, honestly, um, Obama. Um, and when before Trump even ran, um, you know, I kept saying, God, if Trump ran, I don't care if he ran Republican, I'd vote for him. He's got my vote. I just love the man. Um, I think he's got our country' best interest at heart. He's A great man. Um, And then the more it went on, I didn't even want Trump to run again because I am so sick of the witch hunt. It is a constant battle. And it's ridiculous. I mean, it just, I won't even vote Democrat anymore. I'm so sick of the party. It just, they disgust me. So you're in South Carolina, which is a huge
2: battleground with Tim Scott, with Nikki Haley, and with Trump. So if you're still a Trump person, how would you assess the South Carolina dynamic?
7: Well, I love Nikki Haley. I think she is an amazing woman. She did a lot for us. I didn't even vote for her, but I love her, and she's got my support in this race. Right now, she's got my support. However, if she drops out, it's Trump.
2: Okay, that's interesting. Now, what did you think of the Nikki haley Vivek, uh scuffle last night?
7: Oh, you know, I heard the one lady call her a bitch, and I'm like, you know what? You got all these men up there and they can do whatever they want, say whatever they want. and Nobody calls them a bitch, but yet she's got a mind of her own. and All of a sudden she's a bitch. Come on. She's got a own lot of, a lot of here.
1: B word on the Who show.
7: Yeah.
2: Thank you for the call, by the way. I think it's really interesting. I, my argument buck was if Trump called, uh, if, if Trump said to Vivek Ramaswamy or anybody else on that stage, you're scum, nobody would call him a bitch. Nobody would really call him a bastard. Right. I don't think, uh, well, so let me take that back. Some would, but they're the people who are offended by uh yeah. violations of political decorum. The die-hard Trump people would actually be more excited.
1: I, I, I'm going to tell you this. I, I don't think I don't think any Republican should be calling another Republican scum on the debate stage. Yeah, I'm just going to say that. I, I I think that's that's a you can call. I mean, look, if you're, you can call someone a liar, you can call someone a phony, you can call someone a fraud, but to call someone scum um is a little to me. That's to me. And again maybe maybe I'm you know people have said I'm too polite. Uh that's possible. Some people are saying uh that buck is too polite, but that's possible. I want to take this call though. It's exciting for me. I hope he's still there. There is allegedly another buck in the state of Florida who has called in. Good to talk to you my brother. You're How are director. you sir? I am fantastic. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm good. You got a great name. What's on your mind, buck? So Trump is far and away
3: leading the polls. Everybody, I mean, you have to be under a rock to not understand that. Yep. But the D.C. machine is a living organism. The D.C. machine, all it wants to do is live and expand. And it spent four years with anonymous leaks, anonymous sources, impeachment trials. Why in God's name would we put our country back through that again in the next election?
2: So who's your guy or who's your gal?
3: DeSantis Gabbard. That would be the ticket.
2: Tuesday. Okay. That, that is interesting. DeSantis, thank you for the call. DeSantis Tulsi Gabbard. Matt in Rockville, Maryland. Uh, you were talking about Tim Scott and Chris Christie and what might happen in the wake of this debate, which I don't think really rocked the uh, political universe and altered where they currently stand. What do you think my, uh, my, Matt, sorry. The, uh, well,
6: the, with uh, with Nikki Haley and, and Vivek Ramaswamy, it felt like they were getting a little more personal just because they needed something to rock the boat. Um, uh, but it, when it comes to Tim Scott, you know, we saw the DNC moving their primary to South Carolina, Jim Clyburn being the kingmaker. We've seen black support for Trump uh, getting to record highs. And we hear people on the left like Sonny Hostin saying, you know, replacing a black DP, well, we won't forgive you and we won't support you. And I think it all, the stars align. Tim Scott drops out, Trump says, you know what, he's going to be my VP pick. And that takes so much fire and power out of the DNC's claims of how great a black vice president is and how important South Carolina is, because then what the Republicans can do is say, look, we have the exact same thing, a black person from South Carolina, and you put those two on the stage between Kamala Harris and Tim Scott, and he will wipe the floor with her.
2: I think Tim Scott would do well against Kamala Harris. Again, my only concern on that, Trump's going to pick a VP. I don't like the idea of picking a VP because of cosmetic diversity. If Trump thinks Tim Scott is the best possible option for me, and he's the most ready, remember, Trump will be 78 too. If he thinks Tim Scott is the most ready to be the next president of the United States, then I'm fine with it. I don't know uh that the politics of this is my argument look if i think trump should pick i've said this for a long time someone who guarantees him a state but i don't think the politics of trump picking a woman or trump picking a minority man or whoever he picks i don't know unless he picks someone in a toss-up state that's going to deliver a state i don't know that the vp moves the needle very much for trump no,
1: I, I look i've i've heard people say who are close to trump that his his number one concern with his VP is that it's someone that he really likes to hang out with. <laughs> so hey, you know, we asked him. About, we made news yesterday, yeah. or you did by asking him about whether Tucker would be his VP, um, and uh, that people were. It, you know what was great about it? Because it's fun for us to just talk about, and uh, you and I both know and, and like Tucker as well as know and like Trump. Um, but the left just just even. Just even saying that out loud, there were all these leftists who were like,
3: it's the worst thing that could possibly happen. That's you know?
1: legitimately headlines was, all over the place. It was after as that though interview. You recommended the key master and the, the gatekeeper or whatever, uh, from Ghostbusters get together, you know? It's a good yeah. analogy. Uh,
2: uh, by the way, let's close up this, uh, this segment. Randy in Houston, Texas. Randy, what you got?
6: Okay. So you guys were talking about the, the math of the election. Well, a little bit ago. Yes. I say it's just time for Trump to go ahead and pair up with Vivek, because evidently he proved last night and the debate before that he can be the mouthpiece to go against all establishment, media, the D.C. swamp, all of it, and point out what they're doing and why. Uh, again, answer, Go. Uh, look, here that, are the... You guys won't do it, or your buddy Jesse Kelly won't do it, which all three of y'all would be the greatest press secretary of all time. Make him the VP and go ahead and say, you know what, my press
1: secretary. <laughs> okay, first <laughs> of all, might... uh, thank you. Jesse Kelly as press secretary... Would be amazing. Yes, I, will just I, I, I it would. would be, I would agree with that. I would. I don't know what I could do to try to make that happen. Maybe we'll talk to Trump next time. First of all, he'd be the tallest press secretary in history, and he'd be hitting his head as he walked into the room every day. <laughs> and second of all, it would be the funniest press secretary you've ever seen for sure. Um, and he would be crushing commies left and right.
2: Uh, he, we'll hit this. I've actually got the odds for who you can bet on as the favorites right now for Trump's VP choice, and the numbers are, are moving a decent amount. So I'll hit some people with that uh, when we come back for this next break because I do think Trump is up so much that much of the conversation now is starting to shift to who should he pick as VP. And unless we got that DeSantis-Nikki-Haley combo, I haven't seen any math that suggests
1: that Trump could be challenged by the current challengers. Well, and, and also, does the VP pick influence the primary field right now because – you know, maybe he makes an offer to somebody that can't uh, that can't refuse, yeah. so to speak. You know, gun owners know the responsibility that comes with gun ownership, and including in that is proper training, understanding how to use the firearms that you own, and being proficient with them. You do that with practice and training. You do that at the gun range for the most part, but you can also do it at home, so you'll get more out of your gun range visits. Now, look, you want to do this in a very safe space, okay? If you're doing dry fire practice, you want to make sure that you treat your firearms always. With the, uh, with the care that they deserve. Once you get set up with this, let me tell you, the Mantis X training tool makes an, ele- an all electronic training system for you for when you can't get to the range so you can get more out of your range visits. That's what the Mantis X is. It is a firearms training system that is a no ammo, all electronic way to improve your shooting accuracy. You connect to this, uh, you connect this to your firearm like a weapon light and then that connects to your phone and the Mantis X app. The Mantis X gives you data-driven, real-time feedback on your technique and your shooting. It guides you through drills and courses to improve your accuracy. 94% of shooters improve within 20 minutes of using Mantis X. The Mantis X is a must-have for every gun owner. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com
2: download and use
3: the new Clay and Buck app. Listen to the program live. Catch up on any part of the show you might have missed. Use your C&B 24-7 subscription to get access to the guys. Find the Clay and Buck app in your app store and make it part of your day. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending mad Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.
0: More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time
4: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, welcome back into Clay and Buck. I want to uh, talk to you coming up in the next hour a little bit about some updates on the Israel-Hamas war, and a really, um, a really, I think, interesting and worthwhile exchange uh, between um, uh, Douglas Murray and Piers Morgan on Hamas and these. Hamas protests and all the stuff that we're we're seeing. But, Clay, first, you wanted to line up what the betting odds are, right? The betting odds that we're seeing yeah, you're, for for VP at this point in time. I wonder if there's some interesting folks in the mix.
2: Yeah, so there's a lot of talk now about who Trump is going to pick as VP. I think even more coming out of this debate, as it's clear several guys and uh, maybe some gals are falling out of the equation. This surprised me. Christine Owens right now. A substantial favorite over everyone else to be Trump's VP. Really? Yeah. So now these are not, none of these are huge favorites. I've never heard her name
1: that much lately in this context.
2: Uh, second place though, Nikki Haley. These are gambling odds markets. You can bet on who you think is going to be the VP. Uh, Nikki Haley, I was saying if, if Ron DeSantis paired with, uh, with Nikki Haley, that would be a challenge to Trump. Trump could also just once and for all end the Republican debate. Uh, uh against anybody else by if Nikki Haley, for instance, came on with him. Tim Scott in third place. We've had people talking about this. Uh Elise Stefanik and then Vivek Ramaswamy uh, is the five most likely people for Donald Trump to pick as his running mate. I will say this, Buck, and I, and I know you noticed it too, but I don't think we talked about it on the air. Trump, other than Asa Hutchinson... <laughs> I don't think Trump actually took a shot at anybody on the show with us yesterday who's running for president against him. And I definitely – he didn't mention Nikki Haley, didn't mention Ron DeSantis. It didn't feel like he was even almost of I mean, the opinion that the race is still well, going can, on.
1: Can I tell you, I, I, I'm, I'll make a prediction here, and maybe this will be a foolish one on the line, but I, I feel pretty confident in it, that if Trump secures the Republican nomination, which – I know it's not over and there's Iowa and all that, all those provisos, fine. But, I mean, he's up by 40 or whatever it is, points right now. If he secures a Republican nomination, um, by the time he's, uh, you know, giving speeches and out there in the stump next summer, he'll be talking about what a great Governor Ron DeSantis is and what a phenomenal U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley and, and Governor Nikki Haley was. I, I think you'll see that switch happen because one thing about Trump, you're on the wrong side of him it's not fun but there's always room for people to come back on the trump train you've seen that if oh. you, if 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 you if you want to combine with him against the communists he always
2: leaves that door open no one has said anything as nasty as what ted cruz said about him during the 2016 primary. we talked about this yeah.
1: and and or what he said about ted cruz uh, and, and vice versa and, and, yeah. yeah and and ted was a staunch Ally and advocate of the MAGA movement and the president for four years of his first term. Uh, much to, much to Senator Cruz's credit, I think, and, and character, uh, that he was willing to put aside some of the petty stuff that he could have held on to But I'm just saying, I think you'll see that. But it, look, m- maybe Ron DeSantis wins the nomination. I understand that's possible. But if Trump wins the nomination before, before even the votes are counted for the general election, he'll be talking about what a great governor Ron DeSantis is because he is a great governor. Yeah, no doubt. And and I
2: do think you'll see most people come together. And a lot of our listeners who are really aggressively on one team right now, I think we'll all come back to the Republican team. I've been saying that for months. I get it. Everybody's fired up. Everybody's passionate. They decide that. You're not, uh, the right person and then they're never going to vote for Trump or they're never vote for DeSantis. Those have been the most, I would say, aggressively combative of the Republican primary candidates so far in terms of going back and forth, at least what I've seen. And I think by June or July, when all this is over, which is not much longer, six, seven months, because the reality is, look, if, if DeSantis is not the nominee, he's going to run in 28. And he's going to need a lot of the people who voted for Trump potentially against him to be supporting him in 28. And I think that's true for Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy. I don't think it's very likely that this is the last time that whoever loses is going to be running for president.
0: More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
1: He has the smarts.